We're continuing our series this morning. Uh, we've been spending this summer in the Psalms, uh, and we've gone through eight Psalms so far. Uh, we've done 56, 51, 84, 95, 73, 68, 67, 130, 139. Uh, I'm not going to stand up here, and, uh, and re- I usually do like a review throughout the series. It's the review is getting so long that uh, it just takes so long. So uh, if you're curious about what we've talked about, we, I mean, we've talked about God, we've talked about us, salvation, we've talked about being in the presence of God, the purpose of God's blessings for us. Uh, we've talked about all kinds of stuff. If you missed any of them, definitely check out uh, our podcast. You can go online and listen to them. But it's been a great, a great summer so far as we have spent uh, our time in the Psalms. And the Psalms are interesting, right? Sometimes we, uh, we just kind of read the Psalms and we go through it and we don't really let it soak in. We don't really ask the questions that we would ask of, of say, a letter from Paul. Or we don't ask the questions that we would ask of the gospel. And what did Jesus mean here? We don't stop and ask questions in the Psalms a lot of times. So that's what we're doing. We are traveling through the Psalms and, and asking the questions and, and letting it soak in. What does this Psalm mean? How can I apply this Psalm? And so this morning, uh, we're going to be in Psalm 98. Uh, Psalm 98, if you want to get there. And we are going to talk this morning just about the faithfulness of God, the faithfulness of God. And I, I just want to say up front, if you if you don't have a Bible, uh, I, I would encourage you to, to take one of ours. The one in the pew is yours. Uh, just take it and just dive in. Because there is, there is nothing that I will say this morning about the faithfulness of God that you won't also find in the words of this Scripture. And so I, I want you to, to dive into the Scripture, to read the Scripture, to know the Scripture. And this is it's so important. Uh, but we're going to talk about the faithfulness of God this morning. And this, the faithfulness of God is an interesting topic, right? It's an interesting kind of thing to, to talk about because we go through a lot of stuff as human beings. We go through a lot of trials. We go through a lot of issues. And we ask sometimes this question, God, where are you? God, where are you in all of this? God, God how, I, don't, I don't understand how you could allow this to happen. Have you forgotten me? God, are you faithful I need to believe, I want to believe in your faithfulness, but I don't feel you right now. And I, and I want to just encourage you this morning, if that's where you're at, there, there are a lot of people in this book who are asking that same question to God. Right? This is not a book of just shallow faith and shallow questions. This is a book of people where we read and people are wrestling with these issues. They're wrestling with God and they're wrestling with things going on in their lives. And that's, that's true for us this morning as well as we'll see. But I just... I want to just say this truth this morning. This is the truth that this whole thing hangs on today. God is faithful. God is faithful. Even when our faith is shaken, even when our faith is faltering, God is faithful. Even when we aren't faithful, God is faithful. So Psalm 98, if you're in one of our pew Bibles, it's on page 426. Uh, Psalm 98. And I want to just, before we read, just two thoughts kind of just where we're going with this this morning. I think there's really two things I want to talk about. God is faithful, right? So what does this faithfulness mean, and why does it matter? What does this faithfulness mean, and why does it matter? This psalm is all about the faithfulness of God, and, and some, some people believe that this was written uh, at, at basically about the Egyptians coming out, or not the Egyptians, but the Israelites coming out of Egypt, some people believe that this is the, the Israelites coming out of exile into Jerusalem. I don't think it really matters. I think this truth is really universal, that God is 
faithful. Let's read this. Sing to the Lord a new song, for he has done marvelous things. His right hand and his holy arm have worked salvation for him. The Lord has made his salvation known and revealed his righteousness to the nations. He has remembered his love and his faithfulness to Israel. All the ends of the earth have seen the salvation of our God. Shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. Burst into jubilant song with music. Make music to the Lord with the harp, with the harp and the sound of singing, with trumpets and the blast of the ram's horn. Shout for joy before the Lord, the King. Let the sea resound and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. Let the rivers clap their hands. Let the mountains sing together for joy. Let them sing before the Lord, for he comes to judge the earth. He will judge the world in righteousness and the people with equity. I think there's really one phrase that's interesting, especially in light of last week, as we were talking about God being all-knowing. Verse 3 says this. It says, He has remembered his love and his faithfulness to Israel. God remembered Isn't that interesting? Last week we talked about God being all-knowing and God knowing everything at all times. So so God remembered. Does that mean that God forgot? Does that mean that God forgot his, His love, that He forgot His faithfulness, that He forgot all of that stuff? I mean, I mean we, we all have times when we forget, right? But, but we're not omniscient. We're not all-knowing, like we talked about God being yesterday. So did, did God forget? But aren't there... I, I don't think so. I don't think God forget. And I, we'll talk about that in a second. I didn't want to leave you hanging on that. <clears throat> but aren't there times when we ask that question, too? Did you forget about me? Did you forget about that thing that I was praying about? Did you forget about this situation that I'm going through, God? Did you... Did you forget? This is something that, that out of both of those situations that I mentioned earlier, the, the Israelites coming out of Egypt and the Israelites coming out of exile, both of those situations, people were asking this same question. God, did you forget about us? Did you forget about us? In Exodus chapter 2, <clears throat> I'm going to kind of jump around today. You don't need to necessarily try and follow me if you don't want to. But we're in Exodus chapter 2 right now, verse 23. And 24 says this, During that long period, the king of Egypt died. The Israelites groaned in their slavery and cried out. And their cry for help because of their slavery went up to God. God heard their groaning, and he remembered his covenant with Abraham. God, God remembered his covenant with Abraham. So the question again, did God forget? The answer, I think, is no. I don't think God forgets. I don't think God forgot his covenant with Abraham. I think the people are questioning and they're crying out to God and they're asking God this question, where are you? Did you forget about us? And so we get a reminder in Scripture that God remembers his covenant with them. He, he remembers. He's, he's almost, people are questioning. God is almost reminding them that he remembers, right? Exodus, just a couple pages more. Exodus chapter 6, starting at verse 2. God also said to Moses, I am the Lord. I appeared to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob as God Almighty, but by my name, the Lord, I did not make myself fully known to them. I also established my covenant with them to give them the land of Canaan, where they resided as foreigners. Moreover, I have reheard the groaning of Israelites, who the Egyptians are enslaving, and I have remembered my covenant. I have remembered my covenant. Therefore, say to the Israelites, I am the Lord, and I will bring you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians. I will free you 
from being slaves to them, and I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and with mighty acts of judgment. I will take you as my own people, and I will be your God. Then you will know that I am the Lord your God, who brought you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians. And I will bring you to the land I swore with uplifted hand to give to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. I will give it to you as a possession. I am the Lord. God remembers. I have remembered my covenant with you. Right, we go back to, to Psalm 98, and it makes the, the first three verses here sound familiar. Right, We're talking about the people coming out of Egypt, and he says, Sing to the Lord a new song, for he has done marvelous things. <clears throat> his right hand and his holy arm have worked salvation for him. The Lord has made his salvation known and revealed his righteousness to the nations. He has remembered his love and his faithfulness to Israel, and all the ends of the earth have seen the salvation of God. See, it makes sense. It makes sense that he's talking about the people coming out of Egypt there. Right? But it also makes sense when we're talking about those in the exile. Right? If you turn with me to Lamentations chapter 5. <clears throat> Lamentations chapter 5 is, is people in exile just crying out to God. And here's, here's what they say. Remember, Lord, what has happened to us. Look and see our disgrace. Our inheritance has been turned over to strangers. Our homes to foreigners. We have become fatherless. Our widows, our mothers are widows. We must buy the water we drink. Our wood can be had only at a price. Those who pursue us are at our heels. We are weary and find no rest. We submitted to Egypt and Assyria to get enough bread. Our ancestors sinned and are no more, and we bear their punishment. Slaves rule over us, and there is no one to free us from their hands. We get our bread at the risk of our lives because of the sword in the desert. Our skin is hot as an oven, feverish from hunger. Women have been violated in Zion, and virgins in the town of Judah. Princes have been hung up by their hands. Elders are shown no respect. Young men toil at the millstones. Boys stagger under loads of wood. The elders are gone from the city gate. The young men have stopped their music. Joy is gone from our hearts. Our dancing has turned to mourning. The crown has fallen from our head. Woe to us, for we have sinned. Because of this, our hearts are faint. Because of these things, our eyes grow dim. For Mount Zion, which lies desolate, with jackals prowling over it. You, Lord, reign forever. Your throne endures from generation to generation. And this is what I want you to hear. Why do you always forget us? Right, all these things. Joy is gone. Like, we don't have any joy anymore. But we know that you reign forever and ever. Your throne, you, you reign on your throne forever and ever. Why do you always forget us? Why do you forsake us so long? Restore us to yourself, Lord, that we may return. Renew our days as of old. Unless you have utterly rejected us and are angry with us beyond measure. Why do you always forget us? I love, that's probably like one of the, the most honest statements in all of Scripture, just talking to God. Why do you always forget us? I mean, look, at, look at where we are, God. Like even, even Mount Zion, even the place where you're supposed to dwell, it is desolate. Why do you always forget us? Why do you forget us? The next book is, is Ezekiel. If you go to Ezekiel chapter 16, <clears throat> Starting at verse 59. This is what the Sovereign Lord says. I will deal with you as you deserve because you have despised my oath by breaking the covenant. Yet I will remember the covenant I made with you in the days of your youth. And I will establish an everlasting covenant with you. Look, you haven't remembered. But I remember. Look. Look. You have forgotten me, 
but I have not forgotten you. Look, you, you've forgotten, but I, I have not forgotten. So you see, the, the first three verses of this, just he, God has remembered his love and his faithfulness for his people. It fits both of these situations well, but, but I think it fits us as well. Because God isn't just faithful then. He wasn't just faithful to remember then. He's faithful now. So what does God's faithfulness mean for us today? Well, I think a couple things we can learn, right? God never forgets his people. God never forgets his people. Even when it seems like the world is caving in, even you, you don't have to wonder if God has forgotten you. He has not forgotten you. God will not forget his people. He hears you and you're groaning. He knows you and you're suffering. God knows you. He loves you. He cares for you. He is with you. You are not forgotten. If you leave hearing nothing else this morning, I want you to know that. That you are not forgotten by the God who created and loves you. You are not forgotten. That God's faithfulness ensures us that we are not forgotten. God never forgets his people. But the second thing, God always keeps his promises. He never forgets his people, and he always keeps his promises. Right, verse 3, this, in Psalm 98, this word love that is used. Some translations say, say steadfast love. Right, the word there is really covenant love. It's a covenant love that, that they're talking about. God has remembered his covenant love and his faithfulness to the people of Israel. God, God calls Abraham. This is the covenant they're talking about. God calls Abraham. He enters into a covenant with Abraham. This is not just a, a simple covenant that happens either. This is not just a, a, a quiet kind of shake of the hands kind of covenant where we don't sign a contract. This is, this is a deep, deep covenant that happens with Abraham and with God. And you can find about this covenant in Genesis chapter 15. I want you to go there with me this morning. Genesis chapter 15. If you haven't been following me, I've been moving kind of quick. This is, we're going to stay here for a while. So I want you to be in Genesis chapter 15 with me. This is the covenant that God makes with Abraham. And like I said, it's a very serious covenant. Let me just, I'm just going to read chapter 15 here. After this, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Don't be afraid, Abram. I'm your shield, your very great reward. But Abram said, Sovereign Lord, what can you give me since I remain childless and the one who will inherit my estate is Eliezer of Damascus. And Abram said, You have given me no children, so a servant in my household will be my heir. Here's what Abram's saying right here. I'm still waiting. Have you forgotten about your promise? Not to mention, I'm super old right now. It's not likely for me to have a kid. Have you, have you forgotten about me? Then the word of the Lord came to him, This man will not be your heir, but a son who is your own flesh and blood will be your heir. He took him outside and said, Look up at the sky and count the stars, if indeed you can count them. Then he said to them, then said to him, So shall your offspring be. He talks about the stars right here. In, in chapter 13, he talks about as numerous as the sand or as numerous as the dust on the earth. This is, this is God's promise to him. Abraham believed the Lord, and he credited to him his righteousness. He also said to him, I am the Lord who brought you out of Ur of the Chaldeans to give you this land to take possession of it. But Abram said, Sovereign Lord, how can I know that I will gain possession of it? And here's where we get to this covenant here. This is, this is a powerful covenant. 
So the Lord said to him, Bring me a heifer, a goat, and a ram, each three years old, along with a dove and a young pigeon. Abram brought all of these to him, cut them in two, and arranged the, op- the halves opposite each other. The birds, however, he did not cut in half. Opposite each other means he made a pathway out of the bodies of these, these animals. Okay. <clears throat> then the birds of prey came down on the carcasses, but Abram drove them away. As the sun was setting, Abram fell into a deep sleep, and a thick and dreadful darkness came over him. Then the Lord said to him, Know for certain that for four hundred years your descendants will be strangers in a country, not their own, and that they will be enslaved and mistreated there. But I will punish the nation they serve as slaves, and afterward they will come out with great possessions. You, however, will go to your ancestors in peace and be buried at a good old age. In the fourth generation your descendants will come back here, for the sin of the Amorites has not yet reached its full measure. When the sun had set and darkness had fallen, a smoking fire pot with a blazing torch appeared and passed between the pieces. God shows up and he walks the pathway. On that day, the Lord made a covenant with Abram and said, Descendants, I give this land from the wadi of Egypt to the great river, the Euphrates, the land of the Kenites, the Kenizzites, the Kadmonites, the Hittites, Perizzites, Rephites, Amorites, Canaanites, Girgashites, and Jebusites. I give you this land. Here's where this covenant comes in. This is a powerful covenant. This covenant was basically saying this. Two people would agree to something, and they would both stand on either side of the aisle of bodies they had just made. And they would take off their shoes, they would give them to each other, And then they would walk the path opposite each other, coming at each other. And when they were walking through this path, and as they traded shoes and they did all that, here's what they were saying. If I don't come through on my end of this covenant, may I become like one of these animals. And so God walks through this pathway. God is saying, if I don't come through on what I am promising you here, may I be like one of these animals. God is saying, if I don't come through on this, let me cease to be God. Here's the crazy part. Someone find me where Abram has to go through there. It's not there. Abram never walks through this covenant. Nothing that Abram can do will change the fact that God made this promise to Abram. Nothing that Abram can do. Abram doesn't earn it. He doesn't doesn't get it because of anything that he has done. He doesn't have to do anything to receive it. God has, has walked through these animals and he said, If I don't come through on my promise, I am going to give you a son. Your descendants will be as numerous as the stars. Two chapters earlier, it'll be as numerous as the sand. And and even in this covenant, I will give you this land. If I don't come through on this, may I be like one of these animals. And so God makes this promise with him. And and then you see all throughout what we just read this morning, people questioning whether or not God remembers this covenant. Like God would forget of the covenant. It's not just like, like I said, it's not just a simple covenant that God made. God is not going to forget the kind of covenant that he made with Abraham. God is going to come through on his end because God always keeps his promises. 
God always keeps his promises. Psalm 98, it's, uh, God remembers. Right? Psalm 105, which is the other one that I was thinking about going over this morning, which is really similar to this. Psalm 105, 42, God remembered his holy promise given to Abraham. Right? God comes through on his promises. And here's, here's the cool thing. I, I, I really do believe that God's promises are true whether or not we know them or accept them. We can't earn them. We don't have to walk through the animals is what I'm trying to say this morning. God's promises are true for you and they're true for me all the time. God is faithful, and because God is faithful, we know that God does not forget his people, and we know that God always keeps his promises. So why does it matter? Why does, this, why does any of this matter? Go back to Psalm 98 with me. <clears throat> why does this matter? Because God is faithful, now what? Because God is faithful, why does it matter for us that God is faithful? And here's why. There's three, really three reasons, I think, this morning. God, it matters. Because God is faithful, we can have peace from our past. Because God is faithful, we can have peace from our past. The first thing that this psalmist does is he looks back. Look at these things that God has done. Look at these things that God has done. God has remembered his love and his faithfulness to, to Israel. God has remembered. He... God has done something in the past. God is, has been faithful. And I think the psalmist is saying, look, he, God has, has saved us from some things over here. And I think we can look back in our lives and we can know that God has saved us. God has saved us from a lot of different things. And so, so we can look back and we can see that God is faithful. And here's the crazy part. God is faithful even when we were not. Right, go back to last week with me. Psalm 139, God is an all-knowing God. God knows everything that you and I have ever done, and he still chooses to love you and me. He still chooses to send his son to die for you and me, even though he knows everything that we have ever done. He knows that we don't deserve it. He knows that we are full of sin. He knows all of this stuff, but God still loves us. God is faithful. God, God has saved us from, from many things, and, and God, it just reminds me of last week. But here, here's the greatest part. Right, we can be free from our past. God is faithful. Jeremiah 31 says that he, he remembers our sins no more. Psalm 103 says the same thing. As far as the east is from the west, so has God removed our sins from us, and he remembers them no more. Right, God, God loves us. He has saved us from our sins. He, he looks at us, and he knows that we are sinners. And even an all-knowing God chooses not to remember our sins powerful. God is faithful. And because of God's faithfulness, we can have peace from our past. But not only can we have peace from our past, we can have joy in the present. Right, we keep reading in this psalm. I've spent a lot of time in the first three verses here, but shout for joy to the earth. All, shout, to, for, sorry, shout for joy to the earth, all the earth. <laughs> shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. Burst in jubilant song with music. Make music to the Lord with the harp, with the harp and the sound of singing, with trumpets and the blast of the ram's horn. Shout for joy before the Lord, the King. This is loud language here that he is using. 
Here's, here's the thing. Because of God's faithfulness, we have a loud, triumphant song to sing in our lives. We can be loud. We can praise God because of all that He has done in our lives and because of all that He's doing now in our lives. We can have joy in the present, even if the present doesn't seem joyful. We can have joy in this time. We, we can have strength in, in the storm. We can have wisdom in times of confusion. We can have peace in times of turmoil, rest in times of stress. We can have calm in times of anxiety. We have courage in times of fear, hope in times of despair. We can have joy in every circumstance. That's also scriptural, by the way. Joy in every circumstance. But why can we have joy in every circumstance? Because God is faithful. God is faithful. We can have peace for our past, we can have joy in the present, and we can have hope for our future. We can have hope for our future. This psalm ends in 7 through 9. Let the sea resound and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. Let the rivers clap their hands. Let the mountains sing together for joy. Let them sing before the Lord, for he comes to judge the earth. He will judge the world in righteousness and the peoples with equity. This, the end part of this psalm is all of creation rejoicing looking to the time when, when God comes again. Looking to the time when Jesus comes and Jesus reigns. All of creation rejoices as everything is made right. This psalm is more than just about exile and getting back into Jerusalem. It's more than just coming out of Egypt. We can have hope for the future. Right? And here's why. Because oppression and injustice, they don't have the last word. Right? Sickness and disease, it doesn't have the last word. Relational and emotional stress and physical pain, none of that has the last word. Jesus has the last word. Amen. And we can have faith. And we can have hope in the future. Why? Because God is faithful. God is faithful, even when it doesn't seem like he is. Even when there's things in our life where we question, and we, where are you, God? What, what are you doing in all of this? How could you even be in this situation? I don't understand, God. God is faithful. It's a truth that will always be true. No matter where you are in life, no matter what's going on in your life, God is faithful faithful. Let's trust in that faithfulness this morning.